Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Make sure you got all the mothers out this way, okay? We want the moms to come back. Amen, amen, amen. Well, uh, Annette's from New Hampshire. Make sure you love on her, okay? Can you believe it? The people from New Hampshire make it all the way here. Yeah, oh, Massachusetts, sorry. It's, uh, she moved to the other side of the border now. Because over there, you know, like Lake Elsinore, Temecula, and Corona, it's three states, you know? It's, uh, it's really close to each other. Yeah, that's right. Welcome home, Annette. Yeah. The Providence crew is here from Pasadena. <laughs> Nolan is here from Vanguard. <laughs> Orange County. Andrew is here from Palm Springs. <laughs> Isabel is here from the high desert. <laughs> Grace is here from, Grace and you are here from China. <laughs> Mexico is here. South Africa is here. Portugal is here. France is here. Cuba is here. Talk about all nations coming together to worship Jesus in one place. We do better than the United Nations, folks. This is really good. I don't like the United Nations, but anyway. <laughs> Amazing that we all come together because of one thing, Jesus. Yeah. Right? Go across all this, uh, you know, all this cross-pollinating, all this intercultural stuff, age groups, different things, all because of the name of Jesus. No wonder God said a long time ago when Jesus went to the cross that I'm giving you a name above every other name. There'll be no other name on earth that will receive as much reverence and respect and adoration as the name of Jesus. And we see it by people from every walk of life, every age group, every different ethnic group come together as one. Right? Amen? Yeah. Nat is here from Ethiopia. Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, I was just looking. I'm like, oh, Russia is here. Oh, my gosh. Russia, there's another Russia. Oh, two Russians in the building. Oh, boy. <laughs> Watch out. It's amazing what God can do. If you really went and listened to every person's story, ethnicity, and walked with God this morning, if we all got a chance to speak, imagine the things that we could speak about and what God has done. It's just amazing what God is doing. Amen? Yeah. Talk about all nations coming together. Pray for Sarah and the crew, the little girls. They're sick today. They can't be here. There's others. I don't see Pam. I don't, there's others. I pray for those that are not here for, for different reasons. Amen? Amen? Well, I have to do something very difficult this morning. And uh, uh, somebody get this on video because Sean Foster is not going to believe this if you tell him. Last week, I made, last week I made a bet with Dylan. I said, if the Patriots win, I'll wear the jersey in church. If the Patriots lose... You shall wear the jersey with a big sticker saying, we lost. Well, I lost the bet. I almost won. I was that close. I almost won. I was very, very close. Very close. But I did not. I lost. And my daddy said, when I was growing up, my daddy said, you keep your word. It don't matter how much it hurts. It hurts right now. Okay? And this is a small, and I'm a big. So, I'm going to do what I have to do, and then I'm just going to pay my dues and be done with it. Congratulations to the Patriots for the win. very difficult thing to do. I've actually been to the stadium with some friends in New Hampshire. 
the Messinas, and I've seen the whole thing, and I've been down there. I've done more than most Patriot fans have been able to do, but uh, indeed a great team. God bless you all, and I hope that uh, next year we'll come back and fix it. Amen? Is Dylan here? Okay, somebody tell him I did it, okay? So we keep my words. Oh, we have it on video? I know you guys are going to torture me for the next six months with this video. I know that's coming. It's going to be all over Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And next time I go to New Hampshire, they're going to be reminding me of it for a long time. Yeah. Amen. Now, we all came here this morning to hear a word from the Lord, right? We come because we are expecting God to speak to us. And for those that have to speak up here, whether it's me or Rita or uh, Dave or Becca or, or Sharon or somebody or Steve or anyone, for those that have to speak up here, it's a huge, uh, it is for me a huge responsibility to come and say, God said, or God is saying. It's huge. It's not a joke. It's not, it's not something that I take lightly at all because I know that people hang on to those things and they live by it, you know? They, they make decisions by it. They think about it. They, they kind of like make that fit in their lifestyles and, 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 and hope to obey that and walk in the perfect will of God. So it's a very, very big responsibility. Anytime um, I receive like what I think is a word from the Lord or a prophetic word or word of knowledge, I never give it to people right away. Never. I wait a while. I put it in quarantine. I pray. I ask the Lord. I let my emotions take a full circle so that whatever is in there that needs to be gone from me is actually filtered through the Word of God. And you, you come to that place where after one, two, three weeks, you say, okay, God is saying this, you know, because when God is speaking, God is speaking to you, sometimes audibly by somebody, somebody speaking to you about what God is saying. Other times it's by a dream. Other times it's by a prophetic word. Other times it's by a word of revelation. Other times when God is speaking to you, you can't help it. You drive on a freeway. It's on the billboards. It's uh, at the person at work. It's at the bank. It's everywhere, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? When God is speaking, God is speaking, and there's no doubt that God is speaking. If we come up here and we say, God is saying, there should be a confirmation of those that are indeed walking with the Lord to say, Amen. That's right. Yes, God is saying, because when God is speaking, it'd be, it'd be like anyone, any one of us standing up here right now and speaking and everyone can hear it. So if we speak something that we say is from God and there's no agreement from anyone, there's an issue, there's a problem because either God is speaking to everyone or he's not, right? So... Great responsibility to come up here, whether it's in a small group, whether it's in a church setting, whether it's in a family setting, to come and say, God said. And I encourage you to, anytime you, you feel like God is saying something, I encourage you to go beyond what you're feeling and put it in quarantine and hear and pray and consult the scriptures and, and ask God again and again. Share it with people that are solid in the Lord, that are, that are strong in the Lord and say, hey, I think God is saying this. What do you think? And let them say to you, well, yeah, the word says this, yes, no, wait, wait, or do this. So, so take what God is saying to you and put it in quarantine, if you will, and, and, and hear, make sure that God is saying what God is saying so that when you say it, you actually affect the destiny or the plot life or, or the plot of the life of those that are hearing that. There's a great responsibility when we say God said, right? Amen. You guys are quiet. <laughs> so with that mindset, um, if I could put a title in today's message, I wasn't supposed to be preaching here today, but we switched, so there'll be another speaker coming. Very exciting. I never like to tell you who it is, so you can get all excited about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Because before I used to like say, oh, I'm going to New Hampshire next Sunday, and then I'll get text messages, well, so-and-so didn't come to church, so-and-so didn't come. I said, why? Because you said you're going to be gone. It's like, oh, but God is still speaking, you know? So always be like on that place of anticipation to hear what God is saying, whether it's through A, B, or C, God is speaking, right? So with that in mind, if I could put a title on today's message, it is, He sees you. He sees you. He sees you. That's, if, you know, a lot of times people say, what's the title of the message? Well, you've got to think about it, but that would be it for today. 
Let me read to you one of the most favorite scriptures by far that I like. In the, there's a lot of favorite scriptures, but by far one of the most favorite scriptures. Rebecca actually quoted it a couple weeks ago when she was up here. And I was like, hey, that's my scripture. Can't use somebody else's stuff. Uh, do we have that PowerPoint? Is Julissa here? Is Julissa inside there? Nathan, you want to get Julissa? Make sure that PowerPoint's working, please. And I want to get you guys on board here. Oh, Autumn's here. Oh, Autumn's here. Oh, Autumn's here. When Autumn's here, everything's going to be okay. She's going to save the day. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. Widely known scripture by many people. Many people quote that. And we quote that. A lot of times we quote scripture because we wanted to validate what we're doing. And sometimes that's okay because it's the truth. Thank you. Oh, you're going to give me the clicker? No, no clicker. Thank you. Um, a lot of times we quote scripture because we want people to see that what we're doing is indeed godly. And we say, yeah, I'm doing this. And look, this is what the scripture says, right? We want people to see us. And we want the scripture to validate what we are doing or saying, right? And a lot of times we quote scripture out of context. Not because we're bad people, just because it makes us feel better. And we'd like people to look at us and say, well done. Who doesn't like to be told that? You did so great today. That's so awesome. We like people to see us in our human nature, in our inability to trust God sometimes. Because when we want people to see us, it only reveals our need to get others to see us. It only really reveals our unbelief sometimes. You can say amen if you agree with it. It's sometimes it reveals our unbelief because we, we know that God can do intellectually, but we would like somebody to say, yeah, that's right. We look to people rather than to the Lord to affirm and to see us in what we're doing. Um, that's not good, but let's talk about it for a minute. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. If you have your Bible, it says this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout what? All the world. Does that include Lake Elsinore? It does? Mm-mm. Does it include Pasadena? Yeah. Maybe, yes. Does it include the eye desert? Yes. The eyes of the Lord run through and fro throughout the whole world or the world of the earth in some translations. To do what? To show himself strong on behalf of who? No, he's just a good God, the good, loving Lord. He loves everybody. He blesses everybody. He cares for everybody. We all children of God. Doesn't that sound nice? That's not the truth. He scans the earth. The eyes of the Lord scan the earth through and fro, constantly looking for the hearts of those that are loyal to him so that then he can show himself strong on their behalf. That's the willingness of God's heart. That's what God wants to do. God gets up every morning, scans the earth, finds your heart and goes, oh, there's loyalty. God loves loyalty. God is not impressed by what he sees. He's impressed by what's in our hearts. God is impressed by loyalty. God loves loyalty. And loyalty is not something that we can show and tell and display. Loyalty is something that you live. It's in your heart. And God loves loyalty. When God looks at everything in our lives after all said and done, what really impresses the Lord is loyalty. The Lord looks for those whose hearts are or is loyal to him. And then he goes on at the bottom of the verse here. This scripture was written to King Asa. And it says, in this, talking to Asa, you have done foolishly. Therefore, in this thing of keeping loyalty, keeping your heart loyal before God, 
You've acted foolishly. Therefore, from now on you shall have wars. Deep truth here for us. When your heart is not in a place of loyalty before the Lord, you will be at war not just with yourself, but with everyone else around you. Everything else will be wrong. When the heart of a man is not in walking in loyalty before the Lord, he can't get on with his wife. He can't get on with his children. He can't get on with his boss at work. He can't get on with people in church. He can't get on with anybody that he has to work with every day. It's a turmoil because I'm at war. I'm not in a place of loyalty before God. And it's very hard to have everything else line up in your relationships because you are in a place of war in your heart. Now, Asa was a man that had a lot of great times with the Lord. But at one point, he decided to take off. You know, a lot of times we get so blessed by God that we start like slacking back a little bit and like, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm not like them. I'm a little more spiritual. I'm deeper. You know, I got more ability. I know more. And we start to fall into the lie of the enemy that for some reason we've climbed from the foot of the cross to some level of understanding and anointing that is above others. And it's like a total huge lie. King Asa, after having many good times with the Lord, tried to buy himself out of trouble with the king of Syria, made a deal, a deal that was ungodly, a deal that was not good for him, the people, or anyone. But he wanted to display, if you read the whole chapter, understand the story, it's very cool. He wanted to display to the others, he wanted others to see his accomplishments and his ability and he thought, I don't need God to do this. I can do it myself. He had seen God do it. He had seen God do many beautiful things. But he made a deal with the wrong people. And he wanted them to see. Pay attention to this. This is the core of this message today. He wanted others to see how good he was and what he had. And he was able to do. And anytime you begin to bring the attention or demand or request or get desperate for the attentions of others on what you're doing so you can be validated? Bad strategy. Nothing good's coming out of that. Nothing good at all. Anytime you prioritize being seen by others, receiving significance from others, things are not going to go well for you. Now that's the negative part, or the truth part. If anything, my friends, wanting to be seen by people only reveals the unbelief and the lack of trust and immaturity we have before God. Like when I see somebody like, you know, desperate. Oh, you need to give me the microphone. Get rid of the people that I speak. I got the anointing. I got, just everybody's better and I'm the greatest. I go like, oh no. Red light's on. Right? We can get so desperate for significance that we so wish others to see us. We can get so desperate for significance that we enter into relationships, deals, settings that are ungodly because we so desperately want validation for our feelings. Very dangerous place to be. What happened to Asa was he tried to make a deal. He made a deal and God said, foolish, you know what I can do? I've, I've, seen, I've, I've done good things for you, but now you've chosen to remove your heart from a place of loyalty into a place where you take over and you're going to display how significant and great you are making your own deal. And then you're going to make sure that others look at you and see how great you are. We all know that's not going to last. The word is basically reminding us the Lord sees you at all times. The Lord sees you. Pay attention to this. This is what you're taking from church this morning. He sees you at all times. The eyes of the Lord run through and fro throughout the earth, looking, searching for loyalty, searching for hearts that are loyal to Him. Why am I going through this? Why am I dealing with that? Why is this happening in my life? Well, check the loyalty meter in your heart right now before the Lord. That's where I would start. I would go back and go, where am I before God in, in, in the face of the things that are taking place around me? And sometimes there's attacks from the enemy. Sometimes there's circumstances. I get it. But, but a lot of times we are in a whirlwind and at war with ourselves and everyone because we are not in a place of loyalty with the Lord. Or we've chosen to remove ourselves from a place of loyalty with the Lord. I think most people here are loyal to the Lord and have walked with the Lord in loyalty. But 
we, we can very quickly slip out and into our own confidence, the confidence of the flesh, and go like, I'm okay, I can do this. I don't need anybody. Nobody sees anything. I know what I'm doing. Foolish, right? The scripture today is reminding us that he sees you at all times. And he alone should be enough for us to be seen by God should be just enough to validate all our feelings. If God sees all things, and if God is for you, according to Romans, then what is our anxiety about? What is our lack of peace about? What are we running to people for? If we truly, truly, truly believe that he sees us according to the scripture, and that according to Romans 8, God is for us, and if God is for us, nothing or what can be against us. When you really sink into that, you begin to think, I don't really need anybody or anyone to validate me because the Lord sees me. He sees me. Some of you this morning came here to hear just that from the Lord. I see you. Lord, uh, begin to pray about the situation that I'm dealing with. I'm glad. Where are you? Where are you, God? I don't know if anybody has felt like that before, where you like prayed about stuff and things just like, you know, whoo. And then you talk to some people and sometimes you share your stuff with them and they, and they turn around and say, oh, don't worry. It's only going to get worse before it gets better. And I'm like, <laughs> punch me again, right? I'm bleeding on this side. Now make me bleed on that side, you know? Seriously? I needed somebody to tell me you're going to make it. Praise God. It's going to work out. Don't worry about it. The Lord is with you. That's what I need. Not somebody to tell me my sister also died with cancer. And my brother also got divorced because of that. No, I need someone to give me hope. Right? But listen, the Lord sees you. The Lord sees you. The Lord sees you. Everything that is taking place in your life, in my life, in our life right now, the Lord sees all things. His eyes are on you. And when you pray, Lord, where are you? God would say to you, right here, looking right at you. Lord, where are you? Oh, I'm right here looking right at you. When the kids were little, bringing up kids, <laughs> and the kids would grow up and say, how did mom know? She was looking that way. She has eyes right here. <laughs> how does she know? She was downstairs. I was upstairs. Oh, she has eyes all over the house. If mom has those kind of powers, imagine the powers God really has. <laughs> he sees all things. God's video camera is on 24-7. God pressed record from the day he said, let there be light in the beginning of Genesis. He pressed record and this video camera of God, the surveillance of God, not for judgment, but for love, is on 24-7. And God sees all things, all the time, everywhere. Not so with people, my friend. People are impressed more than what's in the heart. They're impressed with what they can see. Right? And then we quote scriptures such as like, oh, the Lord looks at the heart, not the outlook. It's so nice to quote that sometimes. Yeah, we know that God doesn't really care for what things look like. He cares for what is in the heart. Because he can even see inside your heart at all times. Think of this. Think of this in your mind, like a scanning machine, scanning the inside of your heart. So whatever you're doing out here, the scanner doesn't pick up. It only picks up the and, and God sees your heart. Well, I spoke to them, but they lied to me and this and that. And that. That's okay. God sees your heart. Well, I this and that, but they didn't. That's okay. God sees your heart. Well, tomorrow they're going to do this and do that. Well, God sees your heart. Well, they're going to, God sees your heart. God sees your heart. I see you, the Lord would say to you this morning. We often want our efforts to be seen, right? But God would rather see what's in our hearts. Many people say many things. Many people do many things to impress others. But ultimately, the Lord sees the heart. And the Lord sees what's in the heart. Now, there's been many situations where we've gone through things and we really wanted validation. We wanted people to see us and we were unjustly treated. Anybody here that's been unjustly treated? Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of hands, right? We were unjustly treated. We were accused. We were misinterpreted, whatever. But 
even in that, when people don't see you, don't panic. I just made that up. When people don't see you, don't panic. When people don't see you, don't panic. Because he sees you. There was a blind man called Bartimaeus in the New Testament. He was blind, couldn't see. He couldn't see, but he was seen by Jesus. Well, they didn't really see what I was saying. That's okay. You are seen by Jesus. Well, this and that and that, that's fine. If you're a Bartimaeus right now, I'm, I'm not able to see what God is going to do, but he sees you. You may not be able to see everything, but he sees you. He sees you. The other people didn't see the blind man Bartimaeus, but Jesus did. He saw him. He can even see the ones that don't see for themselves. Lord, where are you? Right here, looking right at you. Lord, where am I experienced? What am I experienced? What, what's, what's, the, what's the deal, God? What have I done wrong? Anybody asked that question before? What have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? And God says, I see you. I see you. I'm right here looking at you. I see you're raising up and you're laying down. I know the words that come to your mind before they come to your mind. I know your address. I know where you're going, where you came from, where you're going. I know where you are. I know your DNA. I made your DNA. Study DNA a little bit, you'll be blown away. Your DNA, if you try to like take it out and start stringing out your DNA, you could go to the moon and back a bunch of times. God knows your DNA. He knows you're laying down, you're rising up. He knows all your thoughts. You may not see how, but Jesus sees you right now. Others may not see you, but he sees you. And if he sees you, you're okay. Because he has the power to make a way for you where there seems to be no way. Nobody else that can see you has the power to do that. For as much as we strive and struggle and get people to see us, they don't have the power to do what God is able to do. Make a way. He's able to make streams run in the desert. He's able to make a way where there seems to be no way. We should be so concerned that God sees us more than anyone else. We, sh we should be so hidden in God that He sees us before anyone else can see us. Right? Everything you do must be for an audience of one. If anything you do is for other people to see first, you've missed the entire thing. Everything you do when you get up in the morning is to do as unto the Lord. Whether it's working, singing, giving, loving, whatever you're going to do today for the rest of the day, as unto the Lord. And then he sees your loyalty, and then everybody else around you, believe me, if you're walking in loyalty with God, they will see you. They will see you very well. Others might not see you, and you might not see how things will work out, but he sees you. Just take confidence in that this morning. Let your, let your heart like sink back into hope right now and say, oh, he sees me. I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. He sees me. He sees me. I don't have to have 10 meetings with this person. I don't have to give them a piece of my mind. I don't have to start a war with anybody like Asa did. I don't have to start any trouble because God sees me he sees me what a place my friends what a place to be whether i'm 15 years old 40 80 90 whether i'm poor rich whether i'm hispanic uh, yellow or asian he sees me he knows me he knows my heart my friends we are called you and i are called to dwell in the realm of possibility and that's faith we are called to dwell in the realm of possibility. For us, everything is possible because God sees us. And also, everything is possible because Christ dwells inside of us, in us. And He is the hope of glory. Right? He is inside here. So if He is here and He sees me, all things are possible. The one that says there's nothing impossible to God, He chose to dwell inside of you. So really, for us walking with the Lord, everything is a possibility. 
We are called to dwell in the realm of possibility. You ought to make a note on a, on a little paper, a post-it note or whatever, put it somewhere to remind yourself. You are called to live in a realm of possibility. Sure, we have circumstances to deal with, but get into that mindset because the Lord sees you. If the Lord sees you, all things are possible. When we think about this, we should just settle our hearts into a place of such peace. Because if God sees me, then, then what's the anxiety about? What's the stress about? What's the deal? If I truly believe that God sees me, then what is it? We should sink into this place of peace. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus showed up and told people, My peace I give you or to you. Jesus came from earth, I mean from, the, from heaven to earth, as an agent to bring peace, the peace that was in heaven with the Father, and brought it to us and said, I'm here to do the will of my Father, and peace I give you. But a gift has to be accepted, received, and accepted. And then you have to take that gift and actually live it. It's actually our decision to be at peace. When you start to think, when I start to think of God's word, like in a deeper, meaningful way, you go like, what are you stressed about? What are you running about? He sees you. He sees you. And you begin to like, deflate into a place of peace, right? And you go like, I'm okay, God sees me. Yeah, but out here, if you, if you, if you like open the window, all this craziness going on, and you go like, close the window, he sees me. I live in a place of peace. I live in a place of abiding. He sees me. When I pray, he hears me. And his word says he's for me. And his eyes are on me. God, where are you? Right here, looking right at you. Think about that for a second and bring yourself to a place of peace in Jesus. Receive the gift that is given to each of us. There is great peace in heaven, my friends, and Jesus came to bring it. He is the agent that came to bring it to you. Take it. Jesus didn't come and showed up and go like, Phew, here's the peace. Hit everybody's head and everybody got peaceful. No, he said, take it. Take it. Take it. Strong words by God himself. Take it. Take the peace that I give you. Be in a place of peace because I see you. I see you. Man, think about that for a second. We get to decide on a daily basis what we give our hearts to. What we give the deepest affections of our hearts to. We get to decide. I can give myself to the promises of God. I can take on the peace of God. I can really sink into this place of faith and assurance and belief that He sees me. And if He sees me, He's going to deliver me. He's going to take care of business. He's going to make a way for me where there seems to be no way. Or I can simply keep that in my intellectual you know, little box. I know that. Don't quote scripture to me. Don't preach at me. I know it. But, and I can give myself to all that craziness that keeps going on around every day and every day. We live in a pretty crazy world. Pretty crazy world. Where everyone is at war with each other. My friends, uh, the scripture says, uh, you, you already know all these scriptures off by heart, but uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is or unseen is eternal. So guess what? Anything we do with a mindset of getting others to see us or the other way or to see others do something should not impress us at all because it's temporary. It'll change on you. It'll look good for a moment. Because you as a brick look good to build their wall. But the moment their wall is built, you no longer need it. It will change very quickly. But the things that are not seen are the things that are eternal. The things that last. The things you can build your life upon. We fix not our eyes on the things that are seen. But on the things that are unseen. 
when someone wants to display great godliness and make sure everybody sees how godly they are and how anointed they are, I'm like, ooh, I take two steps back right away. But when somebody is quiet but loyal to the Lord, I want to know what they got with God. I want to hear. I want to say, come preach to us. Tell us what God is saying. Because loyalty is what God loves. My friends, I think we spend a lot of time, a great deal of time, Focusing on what is seen and wanting to be seen. Right? Not here. Here everybody's like great people, loyal and everything. But for those other churches out there. Right? But those things are temporary. They don't last. They're constantly changing. We spend way too much time concerned about what we want others to see and what we want to see in others. Well, but I went there and I saw this. Well, great. What's next week? Well, but I saw this, and I see this, and I saw it with my own eyes. Well, according to the scriptures, whatever you saw is temporary. It'll change. Don't bank or don't build your life or don't hold on to anything that is seen with his eyes. Because according to the scriptures, those things are temporary. They'll be there, and the next time you turn around to look at it again, they'll be gone. Remember this, Jesus dwells in you. Some people walk into a church building and they're like, I did a wedding the other day here. They were like, the guys were coming in and I met the guys earlier. They were like straightening up and they were like killing the cigarettes and outside. And they were like, okay, Pastor, how are you, Pastor? <laughs> and I was like, guys, relax. And they walk in the building and they're like, where's the, where's, where, 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 where does the priest meet? Uh, the priest does, where's the office of the priest? There's no office for the priest here. The, the, there's a multi-purpose office back there we all use. They don't know what to do with themselves, right? Is it okay to go to the bathroom and pee in church? Yeah, it's fine. You're going to make it. There's no angels watching you when you pee or anything like that. People have this thing, you know, that in a certain place, I have to behave a certain way because others see me. And God may just be watching me. See, the big eye of God is right over the door over there. You walk in and the eye of God follows you everywhere inside this building. Christ, the hope of glory, dwells inside of you. He's in your car. He's in your bathroom. He's in your bedroom. He's in your classroom. He's everywhere you go. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows all things and he is everywhere. You can't run from God. Where would I hide? David said in the book of Psalms, right? If I went to the bottom of the sea, or if I went here, if I went there, where, where would you hide from the Spirit of the Lord? But let me tell you this. Have this mindset. Christ dwells in me. And if Christ dwells in me, and he came from heaven to bring peace to the earth, and he's giving it to me, Christ is not stressed out. So why would you be? If he's in you. Sometimes, well, I'm stressed out because i got a lot going on. I'm very busy right now. I'm overwhelmed. Uh, there's a lot to deal with in my life right now. Jesus has a lot to deal with on a daily basis. <laughs> Believe me. Think of the eyes of the Lord scanning the earth, looking for eyes or looking for hearts that are loyal to him. Think how busy he really is. Checking all this out, checking all the data and who's doing what and who's moving and what's happening. Think about that for a second. Let me give you some facts that are really going to bring it into perspective. I love anything to do with airplanes. I got a pilot's license. I love anything to do with flying speed, you know, adrenaline. I love it. If I'm stressed out, like on Thursday, I was stressed out and I had to go tell myself to do what I'm preaching to you today. I had to go do it to myself. Here's what I did. I went to the airport. And I went right to the threshold. I know this one spot, you can park the car, but they don't see you. And I went right to the threshold of the airport, and I sit there just watching the plane. And that's very good for me. I love it. love anything to do with flying. I'd rather be flying, but it's, it's too much money to fly, so you just watch it. But listen, to bring us into perspective about the capacity and the eyes of the Lord that are on you. In America, on any given day, any given day, there are 23,000 scheduled flights taking off and landing in American airports. 23,000. At any given time of the day, 
5,000 of those airplanes are simultaneously together flying over our heads. Right now, up here, somewhere. Right? Think, think with me about this. That means that approximately 1 million people are flying 300 miles an hour at 30,000 feet at any given moment, such as this morning, right now. There's 1 million people up here, right now. Think about that. Kind of crazy, huh? This is the stuff that, like, 100 years ago, they, it was, you know, science and fiction, and, you know, now it's, like, happening. Out of that 1 million people that are right above our heads right now, as we speak, as we're having church, out of that 1 million people, can you imagine how many are praying different things? Have you ever prayed in an airplane before? Can you imagine how many people out of the one million are praying things and Jesus is like keeping, like keeping track of everything? I see you, 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 I see you. You know, mom, when there's four kids on you, you're like, ah, you're stressing me out. How about one million? I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I hear every prayer. I see your heart, I see you, I see you. I see you. I see you. This understanding of the capacity of the eyes of the Lord. Do you think Jesus can handle that and yet miss something about your life? Well, I really prayed, but I don't know why the, the, the heavens are built out of steel or something. And my prayers don't go through. And God just look at me. Do you think that in his capacity to do all this, He's going to miss something or a detail about your life? Think about that for a second. Come back to a place of peace. <laughs> you think God's going to miss something this week in your life? Out of that one million people and all the others around the world whose hearts are loyal to Him, every one of those people, the Word of God says that Jesus holds them together. Watch this. This is so great. Another favorite scripture. Colossians 1.17. Talking about Jesus himself. Jesus is before all things. And in him all things hold together. That means you and me. Is before all things and all things that were created including you and I, are held together by Jesus. That's why the belt of truth, Jesus being truth, right? Jesus holds you together. Not only he sees you, but he holds you together. Did you know that if Jesus for one single moment would step away and let you be on your own, you would not be able to breathe, walk, or think? According to the book of Acts, it is in him that we walk, have our being, is that the word of God? If for one moment Jesus would like step back, we would just fall apart. He holds you together. He sees you. Don't panic. Wait for the Lord. That's why David prayed again and again. Wait. Again I say wait. But, but, but. Wait for the Lord. Step back. Wait for the Lord. Watch what God can do. Watch God make a way where there seems to be no way. Watch God open a door. Watch God move mountains for you. Oh, don't, don't, don't tell him anything. They might just pray and God might just move a mountain. There's people here that God has moved mountains before. There's people here this morning that they should have been dead. The doctor told them years ago, you're going to die. And they're still here. Amen. There's people here that have been in the brink of death a few times actually. And whatever the doctor said, they said. They did what they started in the book. And then God said, no, not yet. Because he sees you. He knows your heart. We've got to come back to a place of peace, my friends. We can get so riled up with all the stuff that's on media, all the stuff about politics, all the craziness around the world. It's always been like that. It's always going to be like that. We need to step back and be in a place of peace, a place of abiding in the Lord. Because his eyes are on you. Jesus is before all things, and all things 
hold together by him. He holds all things together. He sees you and he holds you together. Now, you may look all put together. This morning, a lot of us look all put together. But it's Jesus that holds you together. Right? Because we act a certain way. We speak a certain way. We do things a certain way so others can see us. But the one that really sees you, he holds you together. Take confidence in that. Every time you pray for that little, oh, sometimes people call, can you pray? What's wrong? I got a pain here on this side and this and that. The doctor said this, this and that. And I always think about like, okay, yeah, we'll pray. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Our body contains 206 bones, 650 muscles, 50 billion cells that renew themselves every, every time you breathe. Is he holding you together? It's funny when we pray for one thing and we panic about it. And we're like, but they said by Monday, 3 o'clock, this is going to do this and the scan is going to... And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Come back to a place of peace. He holds you together. He sees you. He holds you together. He sees you. Can you imagine or can you begin to imagine the capacity of the eyes of the Lord watching everything, everyone, every prayer, every situation... And being in such a place of confidence where he says, trust me, I will never leave you, never forsake you. I will bless you. I will make a way for you where there seems to be no way. Think about that for a second. Man, the information that goes from the earth to heaven is so huge. I mean, heaven's database, it's like humongous. You know, all the prayers, all the things. My friends, when, very important point here, when and every time you pray, when and every time we pray, every time you utter a prayer, every time we say a prayer, there's a Genesis moment and a Revelation moment that will take place. A Genesis moment is the beginning. You know, Genesis in the beginning. A Genesis moment is when we come to the Lord And we give the Lord our concerns in our hearts and the things that are taking place. In the beginning of that prayer is where everything seems impossible. Our faith begins to confront impossibility and all the facts and everything. Right? Sometimes it feels like a long time before God actually answers our prayer. Sometimes we just want to get to Revelation real quick. Just take me forward. Press forward to Revelation real quick. But you can't really live in Revelation unless there's a Genesis moment, you know. There's a process in between. And that process will cause possibility to overthrow impossibility. And that's called faith. But faith, my friend, develops. Faith is built. Faith can only develop and strengthen in adversity. In places where it's needed. Right? Faith is like a muscle, they say, right? You've got to work it in order to, to make it stronger. Okay? Feeling very weak this morning. I had to play soccer with those guys two hours yesterday. <laughs> and they were just like, you know. And I'm like, guys, I'm twice your age, twice your weight, and I'm as good as you are, you know? Come on. <laughs> no. But it's a muscle. Faith is a muscle. You've got to work the muscle, Right? In that process, my friends, between Genesis and Revelation, when you first pray, it's the Genesis moment. When you first pray about something, it's the Genesis moment. But the process to Revelation is where we come up with all kinds of explanations as to why the Lord has not yet done what we've prayed. Such as in the Lord's timing. In the Lord's timing. We come up with all kinds of little explanations as to why. But really, God is searching our hearts and looking for the loyalty that is due to him. God is waiting sometimes. A lot of times we think we have to wait for God a long time because he hasn't done what we prayed about. But really, God is waiting for our hearts to be loyal to him, or to be found in a place of loyalty where we can actually receive the strength that he's promised in his words. It takes time. It takes a walk of faith to go from Genesis to the Revelation moment. Between the Genesis and the Revelation moment, 
is when we see the accomplishment of the things we've prayed. But there's a process that God takes us through. So I don't know if you are somewhere in between a Genesis and a Revelation moment right now. I don't know if you are, maybe you've prayed, you've initiated something you prayed about, and you looked at all the impossibilities and everything, and in the middle of that process, you found yourself like in a, in a Jeremiah spot where you speak and nobody listens. Remember Jeremiah? God said, Jeremiah, I want you to go speak this message, but they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to pay any attention to it, but speak it anyway. Maybe that's where you are right now. And if you are, don't get discouraged. You've already initiated the process. You already passed Genesis a long ways out. You're already at Jeremiah. You're coming to the Revelation soon. It's really exciting. Right? Maybe you are in another place. Maybe you are like in a Joseph type of place, you know, where they've left you in the hole. It's dark down there. Your brother sold you out. And they bailed on you. And they were like, whatever, buddy. And the dream God gave you for a moment, it seems to be like shut down and thrown in the hole in the dark. It's 20 foot deep and you're looking up and there's nobody there to save you. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you are in a David moment where God promised you some big things. But right now they look so impossible because... There's somebody persecuting you like a soul, persecuting you, and, and you don't know what to do. Know this. He sees you. He saw David. He saw Joseph. He saw Ruth and Naomi when they lost everything. When they said, now what? We've worked so hard. We've put all this together, God. And now everything's gone, just like that. Just gone. Everything gone. And God was saying, I see you. This is only the beginning. This is only the beginning. Maybe you are in a Jonah moment. Alone, down in the belly of the whale. It's cold and dark and there's nobody there with you. Sometimes it takes being alone with God. In order for him to turn you around. And spit you out in the beach in the direction that you're supposed to go. Think about the eyes of the Lord looking at you in the dark place, in the high place, when you sleep. Wherever you are, nothing is impossible with God. If God has brought you into this desert, somebody told me a couple of days ago, you don't understand. I'm, I'm in this desert. God has brought me to this desert. And I'm like, that's great. And they're like, what do you mean that's great? What's wrong with you? You don't understand. Person is frustrated. Um, God has brought me to this terrible desert. Meaning an experience, you know. And I said, that's so good. That means you've left Egypt. You're no longer a slave anymore. That means you're long gone from slavery. You're now in the desert. And the next thing coming up is the promised land. And hopefully you will get so loyal to the Lord in the midst of this trial and tribulation. That God will see your loyalty according to his word. Show himself strong on your behalf. And you will move right into the promised land quickly. Instead of 40 years. I'm like this is great. This is awesome. <laughs> Who wants to go back and be a slave? My friends. You and I are to dwell in the realm of possibility. You and I are to talk, to think, to act like all things are possible. You and I are to be in a place that we see what God sees. And all we're concerned about is about God seeing us. That's like the number one thing. Take confidence in this this morning. Renew your hope. His eyes are on you. You were made by God to live by faith, think by faith, pray by faith, plan by faith, make decisions by faith. But whatever the circumstances are, He sees you. He sees you. We are to see possibility behind every adversity. We know that God does not just bring us somewhere because whatever. We know according to scripture in Corinthians that He is always leading us into victory. So if he's brought you to a place of adversity, it is pretty obvious he wants to give you victory. 
We are made by God to be possibility thinkers. When you show up and everybody says, well, it's over. You say, well, there's a possibility still. When people share with you their hearts and they talk about their situation and the problem, you are to be a possibility thinker. You are to say, wait a minute, there's a possibility still. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. Possibility thinkers. My friends, after all said and done, Romans 31, uh, Romans 8, 31. If, if God is for us, then what's the optional? What's the optional? If God is for us, right? What and who? What and who? My prayer for you this week is that you will begin to see everything from the filter of possibility. That you would be so intoxicated with possibility and faith that, you, that, that this whole thing of faith would begin to interfere with your life and your mind. And you'd be caught up in saying, yeah, but God. Yes, but God. A few years ago, I was down in New Hampshire working with those guys. They, they got donated a bunch of stuff from a school in Wyndham. And we got down there and Sean picked me up at the airport straight into the job site. There was no going home. Get on the roof and help those guys. I get up there and they told me, go work with this guy. And I go work with this guy. Never met him. He said, hi, what's your name? Oh, I'm Inacio. And, and what's your name? He goes, I'm Brian Messina. And I'm like, well, nice to meet you. And we started to work together, rolling carpet together. It was raining. It was muggy. You don't want to be there in the summer. And we're rolling carpet. And we started to talk. And I'm like, so what's going on? And he starts to speak to me. And Brian's every second sentence was, but God, but God, this is it, but God, they are, but God, our church, but God, but God, my family, but God, this, but God. And I was so impressed by that. I was like, I went back to Sean and I said, who's that guy? He's like, he's like full of faith, that guy. That guy's so full of faith. He's like, there's something so big going on and his loyalty for the Lord. But God, but God, a possibility thinker against every scenario, every circumstance, every situation, everything that is offered to me as impossible, I come back with, but God, a possibility thinker. My friends, we are to be so deep in faith, so built in this reputation. People are supposed to know you as a person that is so uh, so thinking about possibilities in God all the time until they go like, hey, don't tell them anything because they think that God hears them and if they pray, God may just change heaven and earth to bless them. That's how people are supposed to know you. An agent of hope. An agent of hope. And I know we all have gone through it. We've all gone through those days where we like, we undone, we down and out and we are broken. And sometimes we voice it to somebody and they look at us and go like, oh my gosh, you're a mess. We've been there, right? Not of you, only of some of us. Only some of us normal people. When you're down and out and broken, overwhelmed, undone. When, when everything's gone out the window and you're like, that's it. Even there, he sees you. Even there, he sees you. He sees you right where you are. My friends, nothing scares God. Nothing overwhelms Jesus. I tell you this oftentimes here. Jesus is not pacing heaven back and forth, wondering, what the heck am I going to do now? Now that you pray this, how will I know? My peace I give you. Step back into a place of peace. Step back into a place of abiding. Step back into a place of thinking everything is a possibility with God. Step back into a place where you go, really? God is for me? What and who? What and who? Isaiah came to that. He realized that. He said, if the hand of the Lord shall move on my behalf, who's going to stop it? So why am I looking for people to save me? Why am I calling anybody? 
Why am I desperate for something? Why am I looking for someone to see me and to see my ability? And my? It is God that holds me together. Jesus holds me together. He holds me together and He sees me. I don't need anyone else to see me but Jesus. I'm going to close with this. My mother, I grew up in a very strong Christian mother. She was no joke. She is no joke. And I'm reminded, often she would walk into my room. I was young. I was 13, 14 years old. 14 years old, man, you can be a rebel and a rascal when you're 14 years old. Right? And I remember my mom coming into my room with this voice filled with authority. And she would like almost yell at me. And she would say, stop running from God. Quit already. I'm praying for you. There's nowhere to go. The eyes of the Lord are on you. When you're 14, that's freaky. That's like, what? Go to church and pray, lady. Right? Quit running. There's nowhere to go. Quit stressing out. Quit being out of control. The eyes of the Lord are on you. It's taken me 30 years to look back and say, Mom, I get it. 30 years to look back and say, I got what you were saying. The eyes of the Lord are on you. All things are possible. Nothing is impossible according to God's word. And that covers all bases. That should take care of everything. There are even some things I don't pray about. Well, God likes all the details and a lot of, that's fine. If you, if you love to share details with the Lord, I'm good with that. That's great. Please do. Be intimate with the Lord. But there are things I don't even pray about anymore because I know. I know His eyes are looking. And I know He's just. And I know He's good. And I know He delivers. And I know He loves loyalty. So when I know all those things, I take back. I come back to a place of peace. Let the things roll out because God sees you. When it comes down to it, my friends, we choose what we give our hearts to. We choose what we give our hearts to. Anytime, anytime over the years, I've seen people come back with a miracle report about something great God did. The story, if you pay attention, the story is always the same. Well, I stopped worrying. I quit talking about it. I was done talking to them. I stopped. And when you stop, undone, finished, kaput, done, bye-bye. God steps in and does what he does good. And we call it a miracle, but it's just God being God. It's just God doing what he promised you would do. But we call it a miracle. It's like, oh, it was a miracle. No, the miracle was that you stepped out of the way. And you let God be God. Um, if God has brought you to the desert, rejoice. The next step is the promised land. I pray that God will be gracious to you this week. That he'll bless you. That he'll make his face shine upon you. And that you would remember, that you would be aware, that you would take heed that his eyes are on you. Amen? Please stand with me. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I thank you for every single person that is in this room this morning. I thank you, Lord, that we've come from, oh my gosh, from Russia and Cuba and Mexico and Portugal and South Africa and China and America. And oh, Lord, it's incredible what's happening here in this room this morning. We've all come from all these different backgrounds, places. And Lord, we all come with a set of circumstances. We all come with a list of prayer. The things we've been praying about, the things we've been concerned about, the things we want to see, the direction we're looking for. Lord, in the midst of all this, I know that your eyes are on each of us. I know that you see all things. I do pray 
That Holy Spirit, you would minister to the needs, the deepest needs of every heart here this morning, whether we are younger, middle-aged, older, whether we are alone, together, whether we are suffering or succeeding, that you would minister to the deepest needs of our hearts, that you'd bless your people, make your face shine upon them this week. But more than that, Lord, more than that, that, Lord, we would begin to walk into such a place of faith and confidence, such a place of peace, such a place of assurance that we no longer have the need to be seen, but that you would be seen in us. Oh, Lord, that when people would look at us, we would be so hidden in you in such a place of peace and assurance that when they look at us, they would see you, Lord. That no longer people see us, but see you. See you high and lifted up. See you seated on the throne. Lord, cause your people to be at peace, to walk in peace. Cause every person here this morning to retract, to come back to a place of assurance and peace and to wait for you. Lord, thank you that your eyes are on us. Thank you that your eyes see all things. Thank you, Lord, that we have the ability to step back and wait for you. Wait for your justice. Wait for your love. Wait for your ability. Wait for you to make a way where there seems to be no way, Lord. Lord, we repent for the times that we've done what King Asa did <laughs> to make our own deal, try to get our own way. Lord, we step back and say, God, that our hearts be found in such loyalty before you, such loyalty before you, God, that you would show yourself strong on behalf of those that are loyal to you, Lord. Lord, I know that there are loyal people in this room as I pray. I know that, Lord. But I pray that all of us would come to such a level of loyalty. Loyal, loyalty with accountability before your word until you would show yourself strong and until people would see you in each of us. Father, bless every family, supply every need, heal every person, and give us a victorious week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you.